This is the Cinesnob Podcast. Welcome to episode 203 <laughs> of the Cinesnob Podcast, take two. Uh, we started this a few moments ago and it got screwed up and my Wi-Fi died for a second. And it just threw the whole world into a tizzy. I'm Jared Kingery. Oops, sorry, and Cody Biafano. There you go. Uh, it was you can swig, see, but that's okay. We are down. Uh, we are down. Jocelyn Durand, <laughs> who um, <laughs> has to take care of her child. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, on the list of excuses to miss a podcast, that's pretty low on the list. I'm not a huge fan. I mean, of that, but, look, you know. if you were waiting in line for um, you know concert tickets or something, do people still do that? I don't think so. Not really. No. Did you ever have to do that? By the way. Did you ever have to wait in a physical line to buy concert tickets? Yeah, I rem- well, yeah, because I remember going to. They used to have like the Ticketmaster inside the mall, like inside, um, like JC Dillard's Penny or, or some shit. Yeah, Dillard's. That's what. It yeah, was. and and uh, and we had gone multiple times to get tickets for like I th- I think I vaguely remember getting Elton John tickets at Dillard's with my mom when I was a kid. <laughs> uh, so I have had that experience. Yeah. There was a. Do you remember Drug Emporium? It's like yeah. a, a small drugstore. There, the, for some reason, that had a Ticketmaster outlet near my house, and uh, the people would be lined up like outside the door, down into the parking lot, like and around the parking lot. It was nuts to buy, yeah. you know, rodeo tickets or whatever. Now you just get screwed by Ticketmaster online. So the in-person yeah. experience is gone. Um, yeah, so she's taking care of her baby, so we're here. Mm-hmm. Um, we took a week off because nothing was really happening. Um, got vaccinated. And, uh, you got the first shot, I got the first shot. Um, yeah, h- how did it go? Did you, did you, which, which one did you get? Do you know? I got the Pfizer, okay, I did uh, too. Vaccine, and I, I did it through the, um, the, UHS at uh, Wonderland Mall here, which is the um, the totally dead mall that houses the Bijou Theater here locally, as well as a bunch of <laughs> random ass shops. It's very it's a very weird place, though. It's more active than it used to be for sure. There's really? more stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. There's more shops. More of the shops are filled with stuff. Um, there's a lot of like like interest like special interest shops in there like. Um, like tabletop game shops and um, and and like like an like a Japanese like gadget, not yeah. gadget, but like toy kind of place. It's very niche that place. There's a there's a guy. I I think he still has it. There's like a uh, I don't know what you would call it. Like they call it. I think a bazaar. Like it's like mm-hmm. a little. Um, it's like an old store that's carved into little booths. Um, a guy named yeah. Nasser that I know that has a a sneaker shop in there. He runs SA yep. Nostalgia Clothing. So, uh, yeah, the, and that's that's that little area is the same. There's a really cool record store, CD Sam, that's in yes, there too. That, yeah, I've um, been there. It's pretty great. Um, but yeah, so it was the easiest thing in the world I've ever done. Like, like from the time I got in line till the time I got the shot, it was like 20 minutes, maybe. Like, oh man, 20 minutes max. So we went to, um, through the county, it actually worked better than it did through the city of Austin. The city of Austin is chasing its own fucking tail with this shit. Um, and they were only offering like walk-up vaccinations. So you had to get out of your car and go wait. Like it recommended, it recommended you bring a chair and water. Like, no, 
fuck that. <laughs> so uh, we got uh, t- appointments through the county here, and uh, it was at the Round Rock Express uh, Stadium, the uh, Dell Diamond. Mm, Dell Diamond. Uh, it took about an hour to get through the line, but there was a, f- a shit ton of people there. But I mean, I was sitting in the car the whole time, so who cares? Um, and I got the shot, and they do the 15-minute, the like, whatever, afterward observation. I had to piss so bad. Um, <laughs> and there were porta-potties, but I didn't realize that they were for, like, us, too. I thought it was just for the like the staff of the people oh it. yeah so and then i like race down the street to a 7-eleven and anyway um did your arm hurt afterward because we had some really severe arm pain yeah for about a day and a half or so well it was actually more like two days because it was two nights of difficult sleep where anytime i would move I would wake up in immense pain, <laughs> but yeah. other than that, I didn't have any kind of side effects. Just, but the arm did hurt quite a bit. How, do you know anybody that's been uh, fully vaccinated yet? Mm-hmm. A couple people, yeah. Is are they older and, um, people or uh, like my parents are? My grandfather. Yeah, some are. I think my mom is fully vaccinated, and then I know a couple younger people who are as well. Um, yeah. What's the first thing you're going to do when the when you have the full? effect of it the two weeks after you get the second dose you know i really want to i want to go to a movie for sure Mm -hmm. um i would like to go back to the theater i actually am thinking about renting violet crown for an entire day because it's so cheap um like uh i think so i don't know if you've looked but you can rent violet crown and bring your own blu-rays yeah you were you fifty dollars yeah, it's like $50 for before noon, $75 matinee, and $100 at night. So you could do like three movies for like 200 something dollars. So I I would like to do that. And then I would like to go to a baseball game, honestly, and just sit outdoors, spread apart from people, and just watch minor league baseball or something. So you would rent the entire theater for the day? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Probably. A, or, you know, I maybe invite vaccinated friends maybe or i mean i guess it doesn't really matter if they're vaccinated or not at that point but yeah i mean so you, it's basically you, that much. it doesn't matter to you <laughs> you know it doesn't matter to me like if you guys yeah. want to risk your lives that's fine but i'm not <laughs> uh but uh but no like it, it's like so it's that's the cost to rent the theater and then if if you if anyone else wants to buy tickets like friends it's eight bucks a piece for each movie so oh that's strange so you're renting it but then yeah it's only just you. So you could just sit there and watch by yourself for I could. eight hours or whatever. Yeah. Which three movies yeah. would you pick? Oh, I don't know. I've been I've been thinking about that a little bit and I don't I don't know. I would want to pick things that I either haven't seen in theaters before or I haven't seen in theaters in a while. Like I wouldn't pick like I'm not gonna go watch, you know, uh Avengers Endgame or something. <laughs> you know, I would pick something that's uh that I haven't seen before. Uh, in a theater um i don't know it's a good question but i i would like to go back to um just any old movie theater I, and i'm curious to see if the so you know i was a regal unlimited pass holder and oh, regal's yeah. been closed for months and months and months and so they've shut down the subscriptions so when the subscriptions start back up again i may be in a position where i can go right away um are are Which they doing cool. that again? Are they opening back up soon? Apparently, yes. There's no date on it, but they've posted a bunch of stuff on their social media that says they're going to 
open. And I think for me, like my friend and I, I have a friend in, in Dallas who is, um, who's vac- who's getting vaccinated this week. And, um, and we've talked about like going to like a Rangers game there, but like, it's, it's one of those things where I'm a thousand percent still wearing a mask everywhere I go, even when I'm vaccinated, even at the movie theater, like, I'm not going to be like licking doorknobs and stuff everywhere I go. I'm just showing that I'm a superhero. Like I, I plan to fully wear a mask even though I am vaccinated. I know the so. Rangers are uh, going full blast going back. Yeah, we were, we were talking about buying like a block of seats so we can have our own space. But yeah. yeah I wonder how full it will be. Have they, they've never had fans at that new stadium, have they? Uh. Well, they did in small capacities for the um, for like the World Series when they had it oh, there. Yeah, they opened yeah. it up, so they they haven't had a Rangers game with full fans there. No, that's um, that seems like the least desirable thing to do. Like, because like any kind of sporting arena or you know stadium, it's it's always super packed, like in the cheap seats, and it just seems like. Mm-hmm. Something I would not want to do, even still. I mean, I look. I don't like it normally, but knowing yeah. that that I have to be more careful is is um, le- makes it much less desirable. I think the biggest thing. Yeah, I gonna- mean, I, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that the, the, you know, if I if I do any of that stuff, be with guarantee that I can have all of my own personal space and you know have barriers and stuff. So like. You know, if an opportunity came to like go to a Spurs game, for example, where it's really spread out and there's like, you know, roped off rows in between and stuff like that, I wouldn't mind doing that, but I would be, you know, fully masked the entire time and stuff. Yeah. You know, um, we're, we're probably just going to go visit our family in San Antonio, maybe like hit up some restaurants down there that we haven't been at in a long time. But, uh, one of the things I was, I haven't been to a restaurant in over a year. Really, we've like, gone I, we've gone plenty of times, uh, but only to things that are demonstrably not packed. Yeah, uh, there's a burger chain here called Mighty Fine. Um, I don't know if you've ever been there, but it has uh, community tables, like it's just rows mm-hmm. of tables. And we went once to this location in Cedar Park, and I, I assume they were within the guidelines that the state set out, but it was still way too packed. We were like, nope, we turned around and left. And then yesterday we tried to go to uh, Black's Barbecue, and there's a line out mm-hmm. the door like, nope, and we left. Um, so we yeah. go anywhere we can go and like sit like at a table that's, you know, deserted uh, around it is um, is pretty okay with us, you know. Um, but yeah, like we haven't like we haven't seen our parents in a year, <laughs> so yeah, so it's a, it's a long time, um, you know, and it's not that far. Uh, but you know, one of the things, uh, and this we'll talk a little bit about this. One of the things I was really missing uh, was South by, uh, which of course just wrapped up yesterday, and you mm-hmm. did uh, you did some coverage of it. How was it? Yeah, it was good. It was you know the the organization of it didn't hold a candle to Sundance. Sundance was incredibly well done, and um, and it kind of captured the vibe of a film festival because. You know, it had the time slots where, you know, each time slot had like five or six movies to pick from. And then you got to pick one at Sundance and watch it. And then, you know, the next day you could do some VOD stuff. With South By, you just made your schedule and then it was open until Saturday. So you could watch them at your leisure. So the film festival feeling was gone from that. Mm -hmm. Um, But in terms of like, 
you know, the platform in the Apple TV app worked really well. Um, the films were pretty good. I don't, you know, I watched maybe 15 or so, and I don't think I saw anything that I would consider bad. There was stuff that wasn't my thing, but I didn't watch anything bad. Um, it's just, you know, you lose the, I mean, there was a lot less buzz. I will say that Yeah. this year on Twitter, amongst friends, just the, the buzz was gone. And it's very strange to have a festival that normally dominates for two weeks, um, just sort of, you know, fade into the distance, but it, that's the reality of what it was. You know, the, the keynotes were another thing that, that we were, you know, at, for work, we were covering them. Uh, and, uh, like, I think most of them were recorded, which was a yeah. strange take, um, notably and obviously tragically because of the, uh, the la- like on Friday there was a panel on um, like Asian American uh, experiences in the United States. And, um, you know, this is two days, two or three days after, you know, the terrible Atlanta shootings. And uh, there's a note at the bottom of that uh, page for the coverage that, that this was recorded before that event. It was like, mm-hmm. well, what is the point of this event even now? Because this has radically changed the conversation. And yeah. this is, you can't, like, it needs to adapt with the, the times. That's the, I guess that's the issue. I don't know why they don't just re-record something or go live. That was a very strange decision on their part, I thought. But I think they just kind of wanted to get this one out of the way, is what it seemed like yeah. to me. But Yeah, and I could I could tell, because I watched some of the, um, the Q&As, like, after a screening, and, and a lot of them were pre-recorded. Um, there was a lot of there was some stand up stuff. I didn't get to watch too much of the comedy stuff, but the one that I did watch seemed to be pre recorded as well. Um, yeah, no, they definitely it just, were. It just takes. Oh yeah, okay. Uh, and it definitely just takes away from it a little bit, you know. Um, and it's and it's tough because you know it's they were able to put it on. They were able to have a full lineup of stuff, but um, it's uh it, it's just been a strange thing and i and i have to assume that this that it'll be back next year i i would hope and think but um you know for what it was it wasn't bad um but uh it's it was just very strange because it's one of the i would say what one of the five or six biggest film festivals in the country and to not have the kind of buzz that sundance did um yeah. or even close to it is was strange well it's got the biggest buzz i think all around i don't know that it's ever been um like really high profile film if that makes sense like sundance has always been like the film one that's where things go to get bought sure. and sold um this one though always attracted a lot of celebrities you know what i mean like mm-hmm. uh you you'd see everyone here you know at the red carpet because everyone loves to come to austin so that's the biggest difference and i think the convergence of of the film and, and comedy happening at the same time always lent itself to a lot of great shows. But, uh, you know, since then, I don't know what, you know, like this with the recorded comedy, like, okay, who, who cares? You know, I mean, it's still interesting to watch, but you know, not seeing it live is, is, is a big difference than I think than not than being able to, you know, watch a stream of it. Like, hey, I watched a stream from this stand-up I like. They recorded his set in New York a week ago or whatever the hell it was. So, Yeah, I watched part of the Live from the Hollywood Improv, and and they were, like, in a in a club, and the club was, like, you know, filled to a fraction of their audience. 
in general, one comic just ate shit and it was <laughs> and to eat shit on a live stream with <laughs> while bombing inside the room as well uh was uh something to behold have you seen uh the it's just the the sheer number of new york comics that are doing shows on roofs mm-hmm. it's a very yeah. strange thing like one of our um i i uh sean donnelly who was on our uh corn stream podcast posted a video on his instagram story may it rest of, in peace yeah may corn stream rest in peace um <laughs> not sean donnelly he's alive still uh mm-hmm. you have a new of a show on a rooftop and it it you know for better or worse it was a show but like it was so quiet and windy like it was weird to see like it, i just can't imagine being a comedian in that in in that setting it seems like a terrible setting but we talked about that a million times on corn stream you can go download the the library now so before it died a slow death anyway oh, um yeah so that's south by one more thing that happened this week uh oscar nominations were announced and we can mm-hmm. go over those real quick um very strange year for film but i think a very um kind of routine year for um nominees like the the style of film that was nominated um and then a a major step up in uh representation uh yeah this year um after years of uh oscars so white hashtags and and things you have quite a few um you know people of color uh receiving nominations um two women directors two women directors um I believe you have the first Asian American um, actor, best actor candidate in um, um, Stephen Yen. And uh, Riz Ahmed is the first Muslim oh, yes, leading yeah. actor to be nominated for so let's a lead ru- role. Let's run down these things real quick, and let's start with yeah. um, best supporting actor. Um, mm-hmm. You have uh, nominees are Sasha Baron Cohen for Trial of Chicago Seven, Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah, Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami. Paul Racy for Sound of Metal and Lakeith Stanfield also for Judas and the Black Messiah. So this is an um, uh, interesting one that you've got two character, two people in the same film. Ostensibly that were both. Not, Go ahead. Well, they weren't campaigned for the same thing, which is the craziest thing about this category is that Lakeith Stanfield was submitted by the studio uh, as a lead actor. And this almost never happens where um, where you they, they 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 you know put a campaign in to try to get him nominated in one category and the Oscars or the Academy ignored the category and put him forward in a different one. Um, which I mean I think I mean I don't know uh, it, it what it did honestly was more than anything was that it it really dug into the Trial of the Chicago Seven ensemble and where you may have seen someone like. Um, you know, Mark Rylance or something make it in there and have two people from Trial of the Chicago 7, which was a true ensemble, or Chadwick Boseman for The Five Bloods was rumored to maybe have that last slot. Um, you got two of, you got both Judas and the Black Messiah uh, in the movie. Yeah, and it, it, then it and it kind of points to the fact that there's no lead in that movie because those are the two main characters. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I would uh, have given this kind of in a you know, Im- immediately to uh, um, Daniel Kaluuya, uh, had he been the only uh, actor from that film in this category, um, 
I, I kind of feel like, judging by another category, that this might be the time they the the thing they give to Sasha Baron Cohen. I don't know. Uh, well, in my in my estimation, Kaluuya and Stanfield are going to split votes, and anytime you have two people in a category splitting votes, you know that person who's right behind them is is you know oftentimes going to benefit, and that's just depending on who you think is in that third position. And I think Sasha Baron Cohen is probably primed to maybe take this award here. Um, Odom, maybe, but it, it, it's it's not a good, you know, that, that movie did not get too much love anywhere else. I think it only got a screenplay nomination outside of that. And then Paul Racy is an interesting one. I don't think there's enough juice there to get him there, but, um, yeah, no, I mean, he's yeah. great in, uh, in sound of metal, but I, and I, for, for whatever reason, I feel like Leslie Odom, uh, junior is the least showy part of one night in Miami anyway. Uh, what's shit. I forget his name. The singer he plays, um, Sam cook, Sam cook. There we go. Um, who arguably has the most immediately tragic story, but, uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, the, the movie. I, I I think we we found the movie to be fine, but I, he's an interesting choice. I think in that slot, I would have picked. Um, you know, I think Chadwick Boseman probably would have taken that slot, that spot. Um, otherwise, but uh, let's move on to uh, actress in a supporting role. You have Maria Bakalova for Borat's subsequent movie film, Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy, Olivia Coleman for The Father, Amanda Seyfried for Mank, and Yu Jung Yoon for Minari. Um, I again, I still I think this is Maria Bakalova's to lose. Personally, I don't think so. I don't. I don't think that they're. Uh, I don't think that they will give this one to her. This category. I mean, this category is probably the most wide open of the acting ones. I just cannot see. You know, uh, this has happened before. You know, like with Melissa McCarthy with Bridesmaids, where a comedy uh, actress will sneak into this position. I think if I had to guess and put something on this right now, I would say that this would be Olivia Coleman's to lose right now. Um, you know, she's uh, she won this category a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's um, the one film I haven't seen from this category. The, yeah, that comes out next week, and we'll probably cover it next week. Um, the Father, which was my number five or six, I think. Yeah, you had it pretty top high. Top ten this past year. Yeah. Um, you know, Glenn Close in a bad movie, I don't think so. You know, uh, Amanda Seyfried, you know, kind of snuck in. She didn't get, um, I think she missed SAG or something like that. Yoo Jung Yoon is, is um, an interesting choice, but I don't know. So I think it's probably between Coleman and Bakalova, but I think Coleman, for being in a dramatic film, being a past Oscar winner, I think she gets the nod. Yeah, I just see. feel like that there's too many nominations out there for Borat um, for them not to give it to, to her. Uh, but that's. I mean. That's just- but I mean, there's only like three, and I think the father has like six Oscars. No, Oscar I, I know, but I mean, I think that the, the, there's way more nominations for Borat than what I would have expected, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. And I think that that this movie has the, and I think she has the buzz. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised for Coleman, uh, you know, and I wouldn't be angry. But I also wouldn't be surprised for Glenn Close, which I would be a little upset about because that's a terrible movie. It would be one of those embarrassing things where you get the lifetime achievement Oscar for a bad <laughs> like I mean I sort of feel that way about DiCaprio and The Revenant where they gave him an Oscar for a performance that's probably the weakest that he's had like he's not even the best actor in The Revenant like Tom Hardy is better than DiCaprio in Revenant yeah and, I mean uh, it, that is and a to real win an Oscar for 
What's that? Uh, yeah, I mean, Glenn I was Close just gonna say to win chance. an Oscar. Yeah, I was just gonna say to win an Oscar for a role in which you're not even the best actor in that movie is something else. We're on a hell of a delay here, I think. So, yeah, we have never had a delay quite like this before. This has been a technical issue show. Anyway, um, so moving on to actor in a leading role. You have uh, Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal, as we mentioned. You have Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Anthony Hopkins for The Father, Gary Oldman for Mank, and Stephen Yuen for Minari. Um, I mean, it's Chadwick Boseman in a Runaway. I think. Yeah. I mean, this is no. Yep. There's no brainer. There's no way he. There's no way he loses this award. Um, if I had a vote, I would give it to um, probably Anthony Hopkins for The Father, which we'll talk about next week, which is just like a stunning performance, but. Um, I you know you can't be mad at Bozeman winning. Yeah, no. Um, I I think I think Riz Ahmed has a really good shot outside of Bozeman. Uh, it's just such a, a showy um, kind of out of nowhere performance. But yeah, um, let's move on uh, to actress in a leading role. You have uh, Viola Davis from Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Andra Day for The United States versus Billie Holiday, Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman, Frances McDormand for Nomadland, and Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. Um, I still haven't seen. I haven't seen the United States versus Billy Holiday. I've heard the movie is kind of a dud, but the, yeah, that's uh, what Andrew I've heard. Day I have not seen good. it though. Um, you know, yeah, I think I think this is going to uh, to either McDormand or Mulligan. I think it's a two person race here, and um, I mean, I think it's difficult because do you want to say it goes to the one who has been here before and won an Oscar just a couple a few years back and multiple Oscars on top of that. Or does it go to Carrie Mulligan in a movie that clearly caught the eyes of the voters with as many nominations as Promising Young Woman has? Yeah, you know, I, I really like Mulligan in that movie. Um, McDormand is just kind of, I mean, she's she's still great in Nomadland. I just feel like it was something that had been a little done before, um, mm-hmm. her performance. I mean, she kind of plays the same sort of character um, again, I, you know, I wouldn't be mad at, uh, uh, Vanessa Kirby either, even though I wasn't a big fan of the movie. Um, it's a big time performance from Kirby for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's move on to, um, the screenplay competitions. Uh, just to, we'll wrap those two up here or the, the, let me get down to screenplay. Uh, so, uh, adapted screenplay, you've got Borat's subsequent movie film, the Father, Nomadland, One Night in Miami, and The White Tiger. I uh, haven't seen The White Tiger. I don't know if you have. I have not. I, but for me, this is going to be uh, a good spot for um, The Father or One Night mm-hmm. in Miami, I think. Um, both of them are both adapted from plays. Um, and uh, I have to, you know, Nomadland doesn't really have too much of a script. Um and you would think neither does Borat, which is why this category is very strange. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but I would think I would think it's between the father and one night in Miami for this one. And I would think maybe one night in Miami has a slight edge um, because it's the more showy of the two. Um, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, I, I still think Nomadland might sneak this one just because there's so much love for it, especially if it doesn't get some of the bigger categories. Uh, okay, so writing for original screenplay, you've got Judas and the Black Messiah, Minari, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and Trial of the Chicago Seven. So, what does your heart say? It's a tough Cody? one. My heart. So, is that is is that the one that I hope wins? 
Yes. Or is the one that I deep in my heart think will win? The one that you should hope. Uh, my heart, my heart says Minari. My mm-hmm. brain says Trial of the Chicago, Trial of the Chicago Seven, or Promising Young Woman. You want to? But I, I, but I'm going to lean Chicago Seven. Yeah, you know, um, I I would really like Promising Young Woman. Um, I'm going to lean uh, Trial of the Chicago Seven right now. I I also I, I can also see Judas and the Black Messiah taking it. Man, I can I can hear I that think delay. Judas and the Black Messiah goes. Oh yeah, I know it's tough. Uh, I think Judas and the Black Messiah is either going to get one nod with the act with like Kaluuya, or I think it's going to get shut out. I don't think it's got the juice to to have a big night, but I mean we'll see. I actually I, in my mind right now I'm predicting um, a split between director and and picture, which we'll get to in a second. But I, I think we might see that again here. Okay, so uh, let's move on to the to uh, directing. You've got. Uh Another round, Thomas Vinterberg, Mank from David Fincher, Minari, Lee Isaac Chung, Nomadland, Chloe Zhao, and Promising a Woman, Emerald Fennel. Um, I think everyone is surprised to see another round in there. It's very strange. Um, so what's what's your pick for this category? I, I see no way that Chloe Zhao does not win this award. Um, I think that Nomadland for Best Picture is maybe a little iffy. But I think that Chloe Chow, this is her award to lose for sure. Yeah, no, I agree with that, and I, uh, I would, I would say that that's probably the case too. And I, I do see the split here with that. Um, okay, let's move on to the last category: Best Picture nominees are The Father, Judas and the Black Messiah, Mank, Minari, Nomadland, Promising Young Woman, Sound of Metal, and The Trial of the Chicago Seven. So, what's your split here? I think Minari has a really good chance right now. Um, it's kind of it, it's it's king. It, it had like six nominations. I think it was tied for second, and it's getting all like the prerequisite nominations um, that you see, like the BAF, like it was the, the Baftas, the SAG Awards, you know, um, and, and all of the other guild stuff. Um, and I think that it's got that mix of like. It's a very, uh, you know, powerful American coming-of-age story. It's not really coming-of-age, but it's sort of like an American dream movie that, that feels Oscar-y. Um, it's got, you know, it's, it's, it's riding the foreign language wave that, you know, you saw, you know, Parasite just broke that open last right. year. And it's, and it's got, um, uh, you know, multiple nominated performances. It's got a screenplay nomination. It's got Lee Isaac Chung got in for Best Director. Um, so when you look at the boxes that it checks... I think Chow and Nomadland is 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 maybe the favorite, but I have Minari. I think there might be a split here, and I'm and if I if I say that, I'm I'm going to lean Minari here. You know, um, I think personally, it's a, it's a race between Nomadland and uh, Trial of the Chicago Seven, just because of the topicality of Trial of the Chicago Seven. Um, I think that the that something I really feel like something topical is going to be hard to ignore. So that's why I don't I don't believe the father or sound of metal or mank have a chance. Um, Minari yeah. may be a little too um, kind of quiet. Um, so I think you have Nomadland, which I guess you could say is somewhat topical. Um, but promising young woman, trial of the Chicago Seven, and Judas and the Black Messiah, I think, are the three most like kind of in your face topical. Um, of the three of the seven 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 nominees yeah um sorry eight um uh, 
Yeah, I, I just I feel like Nomadland is 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 an early favorite. Um, I wouldn't be mad at Trial of the Chicago Seven. Um, I would really love Promising Young Woman because I thought that movie was great. But um, I, and I wouldn't be mad at Judas and the Black Messiah either, even though I felt like the movie was missing a little tiny something. But I think it's I think this is going to be a very socially conscious pick. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I could definitely see that, which is why I, I don't, I don't know. I, I think the movies that we can eliminate for sure are Mank and The Father and Sound of Metal. Yeah. Those can probably all go. Um, like I said, I think when you have a movie that misses Best Director, you kind of got to wonder about it a little bit. And so for that reason, I think Judas and the Black Messiah might be on shaky ground um, uh, as well. Um, I, I just I just can't see that movie pushing through and you know what it's it's interesting because we talk about best director and we see Vinterberg getting in there for another round that is very very strange <laughs> yes. um especially because you know you saw it last year with parasite when you know you saw the best director and, and obviously you know bong joon ho won uh but you know he was also not he was also nominated for best picture but here you have another round a movie that's only nominated for the foreign language film or the international film this happened a couple of years ago with um with Powell Pawleski or whatever the guy's name is who did um Cold War he was nominated for best director um but but not for best picture so this the best director award has been very interesting to watch the last few years because it has started to split and it has started to go to the actually best directed film instead of just being a companion piece for best picture. So this is why I could see the split happening because I don't know. I just, something about Nomadland, I just feel just, I don't know, man. It's, it it just was a little bit underwhelming. Yeah. You know, we didn't talk about it on the show, but I was not as impressed with it as I was expecting to be or hoping to be, I guess. Um, Yeah. You know, it feels a little distant and uh, I, I don't I don't know. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised because it's got a ton of buzz and, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's available on Hulu. Uh, yeah. So it's easy to get. Um, you know, one thing we didn't talk about, which is kind of cool um, for you and I, because we had it so high on our list, but Collective uh, got two Oscar nominations, one for Best Foreign Language Film and one for Best Documentary, which is kind of. Yeah, yeah, I keep on forgetting they changed it. Um, but it, it, which is crazy because I don't, I don't recall the last time I saw a documentary in the for uh, the international film category. Uh, highly unusual for that to happen. And also, dude, again with this category, the favorited movie to win does not even get nominated for best documentary. Which was, I mean, there were there were multiple of them, but I think for uh for a while, um. Um, I gotta look this up. Uh, shortlist Oscar because because uh, if you think about what didn't make it, Boy State didn't make it. Oh yes. Um, uh, 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 Painter and the Thief did not make it. Uh, Welcome to Chechnya did not make it. Um, which was and I think those I think Welcome to Chechnya was also one of the kind of highly touted ones. Um, as were Boy State and um, and uh, and it, to to a lesser degree. Um, uh, Painter and the Thief, but I mean those three right there were front runners. So Collective could win. I mean, I think maybe Time is the front runner just because of the topical nature of it. But you know, uh, 
some of these other ones, I just, you know, Collective being nominated in two different categories gives it a huge edge, in my opinion. Well, and, you know, Crip Camp might with the, uh, they might want to give an Oscar to an Obama movie, too. Uh, they did last year. Oh, did they? Which, what won last year? American totally Factory. Oh, God, that's right. About the windshields. Shit, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, so that was an Obama time has movie. Been, really been flying. So yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I think time. Even though I feel like time was a little lacking, I think that's a probably a, a pretty safe bet. And I think another round probably wins uh, best international film, just because it's yeah, it's a shoe so in with accessible. the nomination with Venterberg. Yeah, um, when the hell are the Oscars? They are in, in like six weeks. <laughs> oh. It's like uh, it's April April twenty fifth. Uh, uh, yeah. Holy cow, that's a long time. Um, it's almost as long as this delay that we have. <laughs> yeah, this delay is killing me, but we'll see how it shakes out. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, anything else before we move on? No, I've been putting it off for as long as possible, so let's just get right into it. All right, let's go ahead and get to reviews. Here are this week's reviews. First up, we have Zack Snyder's Justice League. charging bulls and don't wave the red cape at it this is of course the director's cut of the justice league film that was famously released uh in 2017 to tepid reaction uh after having been um sort of uh, after Zack snyder had left due to a family tragedy and warner brothers took it upon themselves to uh sort of lighten the mood of uh, the Justice League film and hired Joss Whedon, who finished the film and added a bunch of jokes, apparently, and cut it down to two hours and threw it out there to the world that everyone hated. After years of outcry on social media, we have finally the Snyder Cut released this past weekend on HBO Max. Cody, we've been talking about this for a long time, and I know you have thoughts. What did you think of Zack yeah. Snyder's Justice League? Yeah, well, hold on, because I need to uh, get this open. <laughs> is that an alcoholic beverage? Mm-hmm. What the, is that? It looks very <sighs> okay. fruity. Is it like fruit flavor? It's flavored? a high wheel Betty. Oh, look at you! No, it's a Kolsch. It's it's from a local brewery in Southtown. It's at Dorchel. Um, but um, yeah. So, where do we start here? Um, 
so it, I think it's inter- it, it's it's important to point out because I don't know if this review will get more viewers than it normally gets because uh, there's a certain fan base out there who like to jump on people who don't like their stuff, um, and uh, I have no allegiance to Marvel here outside of thinking that they just make better movies. Uh, I have not ever been a fan of of the DC extended universe. I think that. Uh, you know, it starts and ends with Zack Snyder, and 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 I, I did not like, you know, Man of Steel. I did not like Batman versus Superman. Um, I have not seen Aquaman, so I can't judge that. Um, but I, you know, I think that, you know, B- Birds of Prey is probably my favorite of the bunch. But you know, I don't like either of the Wonder Woman movies. Um, I just, I just don't think that they're good movies. Um, and uh, you know, I rewatched just the the, the Joss Whedon Justice League um this past week and you know when it when it came out we didn't cover it on this show but you and i talked about it and we both at the time thought that it was fine yeah you know you know uh, we thought that sorry i'm gonna have to wave or something when i want to talk yeah Uh, (laughs) go yeah go ahead uh i i did re i rewatched it also and i reread my review that i wrote for cinesnob and I gave it a B minus and it seemed to all be contingent on the fact that it wasn't a dour slog, that it had jokes. Um, I acknowledge that it was a mess, but the 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 humor sort of saved it for me. Um, you know, looking at it now, it's it's a bad movie with a now a now arguably the uh, most surprisingly toxic director, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so yeah, yeah. Well, and upon rewatch, um, it it is a very bad movie, and you know it has this juxtaposition of, you know, you see the stuff that Snyder clearly shot, which is sort of you know dramatic and CGI heavy and dour, mixed in with Joss Whedon's tone, and and you know, for for better or worse, the tone kind of rescues it a little bit at times, even though it feels like it doesn't fit at all. Um, because it does not, it doesn't match everything that's going on around it. Um, so, you know, fast forward to us getting Zack Snyder's Justice League or the Snyder Cut, you know, a movie that they added $70 million of budget on, and that was all to finish effects because as they, as it came out, they only did one new scene, filmed one new scene for this, which was the, you know, the, the, the scene that happens at the very end, then- um, or close to the very end. The nightmare epilogue is what I've heard it yeah. called. Yeah, I don't know if that was supposed to be a spoiler, but um, everyone who's everyone who's going to see this has seen it by now. Um, yeah. So, you know, what we get out of the Snyder Cut here, the Zack Snyder's Justice League, is a four-hour and two-minute thing. Um, and here's what I will say. Is it better than Joss Whedon's Justice League? Yes, it is. It's a better experience. It's a, it's it's a one singular vision. The problem is that it's Zack Snyder's vision <laughs> for me, <laughs> and and I just I just don't get it. Um, the movie has you know let's you know I'm going to start with like the construction of the movie right. So the construction of the movie feels strange right off the bat because it clearly reconfigures the way that Justice League is set up, and so. It, it it creates this very it, it creates this very jumbled mess where, you know, if you have not seen, 
you know, the original Justice League, all the shit that's happening with the boxes, you don't even know what's going on until an hour into Zack Snyder's Justice League. The exposition doesn't come until an hour in, where they give poor Gal Gadot another long-ass exposition paragraph of dialogue that she, by God, tries to get through, and not very (laughs) successfully. Um, And, you know, it starts off with with this Aquaman scene that, like, again... He gets two intro scenes where he's got that scene, and then he's got the one where he's bringing the guy in, the fisherman who he saves from the boat. And then you have, like, this tacked-on flash scene that's a new scene with Kiersey Clemens, who is only in that one scene and has, like, one line of dialogue. in this long-ass slow-motion thing. But then you also use his introduction scene from Joss Whedon's Justice League, and so now the Flash has two introduction scenes, seemingly. And, and it just feels... Like it's uh, the best way that, that I saw someone uh, refer to it on Twitter was that it feels like an assembly cut. It feels like they stuck everything that they had uh, into the film and then just stitched it together. And it feels, it honestly feels like you're watching a bunch of deleted scenes. I don't think the first hour of the movie flows at all. I don't think it flows like a movie. I think it feels like it's jumping from scene to scene to scene. I don't think it makes much narrative sense. And then you start seeing the stuff that was added to it and you start getting like these bits and pieces where where you know you, the the same bones of the film are 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 here. The narrative bones are still more or less the same, but there's just more of everything and it's all darker. <laughs> so like, you know, when 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 they take where is Amazon? 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 Where the Themis, Wonder Themyscira. Woman from? Themyscira. Themyscira. So, like, there's a whole added sequence tacked on that to make that story just a dour mess, where it turns into a slaughter, uh, seem essentially, and you know that's tagged on, and that's like a 20 minute sequence. It feels like you know you you. I would say the one the the one character that comes out better here is Cyborg and you get a lot of fleshed out cyborg stuff um, that I think is, is beneficial to the film um, in, 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 in Ray Fisher's performance. Um, and then, you know, the whole thing just sort of happens in the span of four hours. And look, it's too goddamn much movie. It's too <laughs> much movie. Even, even that it's split into six or seven parts even though um, it has, like, it doesn't really feel like it's in seven parts. It's just title cards. You know, the movie is not really split up in any particular way. Um, and it's not like it's, ep- it doesn't feel episodic either, right? Where each one has, like, a an act structure or, you know, has edit points or anything like that. And so, you know, what you have ultimately is just everything in the kitchen sink. And the thing about it is that, you know, like there's some cool bad battle sequences. It's clear that he, they there was some added blood and guts and stuff for a rated R. Cyborg says fuck. Batman says fuck. You know, you get that if you're if you're into if you're into that. Um, but uh, to me, it feels like deleted scenes. It feels like everything is added in here. You know, flow of the movie and pace be damned. Zack Snyder is going to throw every single scene that he has on his plate into the film. And I honestly think there might be a three hour cut of this movie that would flow just fine and work. Not that it, not that I would love it or anything, but there is some version of this movie that's like three hours tightened up and not, and not bad for me. 
it's just it just became a slog. It just became a total slog. The 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 um the climax of the movie is redone. It's better. The climax of the movie is better. But at one point, I was sitting here watching this movie, and like, I'm watching a Batman movie, and Batman is exploding aliens with a laser gun, and I'm like, what the fuck am I watching? What is this? <laughs> what is this? Because that's not a Batman thing. Like, it's it's just very strange. You know, it's it's. It, well, I mean, that's literally what happens. He's firing laser guns at aliens. I mean, no, that's what's I mean, happening. I mean, I, I I know, and I get I get what you're saying, but this is um, really more akin to you've never watched the Justice League or Justice League Unlimited, the animated series that devol- that evolved yeah. from Batman the animated series. It becomes this very cosmic thing. I mean, there shit yeah. in that in that series, and I, I think in the comic book too. Their headquarters is a space station. So Batman's got to get his fucking ass up to a space station every time they got a fucking meeting, and he just can't fly up there. He's got to take <laughs> a fucking rocket or some shit. Um, yeah. yeah. Anyway, go ahead. But but yeah. So you know, for me, um, it's got more of the same Snyder tone. I don't think it looks pretty, honestly. I think it looks kind of ugly. There's no real color to anything, and in fact, we're getting a black and white version. Thank God. <laughs> um, you know, I think that uh, the like yes, there is some benefit to having a harder edge and a harder R, um, but you know, like I just don't know what it serves. I mean, I, it's a, again, it's a better experience, it's a better movie, um, but it it to me, it barely feels like a movie. Like I said, it feels like a collection of scenes. It feels like you're watching, you know, you're watching the theatrical cut of a movie, and you're picking the option that says play the deleted scenes in here and i just don't think it fits i don't think it flows i don't think it 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 works on that level you know there's some better stuff in there like cyborg um i think i think um you know there's there's an interesting superman arc in turn um where you get like the black suit um type stuff the climax of the movie is better um and it and it has like less of that sort of like um, you know, like the, the climax in the Whedon thing had a bunch of like rescuing humans, rescuing people type stuff that's kind of gone from it. Um, but for me, um, it's just, it's just excessive. And I think if you're a fan of Zack Snyder, if you're a fan of the DC universe, you're going to eat this shit up and you're going to love it. Um, I did not. So, okay. So the original film, the Whedon film, um, as we kind of mentioned, I was okay with when it came out. Rewatching it, I actually rewatched this after I watched Zack Snyder's Justice League, and it's it's not a good movie. And I'd forgotten just how rushed the whole thing felt. You know, it was it was, I, and I, I don't know if I use this comparison with you, Cody, or another friend of mine I was talking to online. The the Whedon version feels edited within an inch of its life, like it's just chopped to the bare bones, like just enough to even sort of barely get the story by, which I don't think it even successfully does. Um, the Snyder version in other on the other side of the coin feels like it hasn't been edited at all. It feels like it's just been, yeah. like you said, kind of assembled. And I, you know, I, I prefer the Flash intro that we got in this movie. I don't, the, the, the jail scene was clearly never meant to, to be an intro. 
you know, that's clearly like set up for whatever Flash movie is coming down the road, you know, because, I mean, it's not like we were dying to see oh. Billy Crudup. I'm I'm sorry. The, when I say Flash intro, I mean when when Bruce shows up to his lair, like when oh. you see the Flash first show his powers, like grab the the um the whatever batarang. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Okay. I get that. I, I think we could have done without the, um, you know, I I don't mind the 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 intro that he got with Kiersey Clemens. I think it's fine. I could have done without the jail scene again. Um, you know, having him going straight from that, the hot, the, the Kiersey Clemens rescue hot dog scene to him, the next time you see him be with Bruce Wayne. Cause I, th- I like that Bruce Wayne scene. I, I think that's a good scene. Yeah, um, and it has a, a good payoff. Um, you know, I think, you know, some judicious editing, some could have, could have said like, Hey, we don't need this second intro or we don't need this first intro. Let's go to the second one. Um, the same with, uh, Aquaman. You know, and it's a little difficult to to kind of judge at this point because we already know what's happening. You know, we've already seen the movie, sort of. Um, I think the idea that 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 we needed that second Aquaman rescue or the the Aquaman rescue where he throws the guy on the table, like I don't understand why we got that. Um, yeah, and then there's like a uh, like an entire needle drop of a Nick Cave song as he's going into the ocean in slow motion. <laughs> like it's just excessive. Well, he's slowly tearing off his clothes. It's indulgent. It, you know, there's if Zack Snyder is nothing, he is incredibly indulgent, and this movie is indulgence maximized to the to the point of almost uh, parody at times. Um, especially in the first hour, but I think after that first hour, it kind of calms down and and gets cracking along to the plot um like you said i do think there's probably a better three-hour version somewhere um you know the two-hour version that we got from whedon sucked and you know it had all those jokey moments added and it didn't properly convey the plot for the reverse engineering that DC was trying to pull off with this sort of making their own Avengers out of, you know, taking three movies to make their own Avengers as opposed to whatever it was, six to get to Marvel's Avengers, you know, the, it needs the longer running time. So a three hour movie probably would have been the ideal length. Um, you know, I don't mind the tone so long as you know what you're getting. Um, that was the big problem I had rewatching Whedon's cut was that you've got this incredibly dark film you know uh in looks and in like the tenor of the villains uh that is just married to this these like wisecracks that that don't always work some of them do and i think there are some scenes that i actually missed from the whedon version um i love batman's intro in the whedon version uh where he's fighting the parademons you know it's it's the 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 smell of fear stuff is stupid, but you know it's a very Batmany thing. In this movie, we don't see fucking Batman in in his Batman costume until like two hours in. It takes forever <laughs> to see Batman. Um, you know uh, the the wisecracks from Flash are toned down. I mean, he still does get any joke that comes from anyone comes from Ezra Miller, which I think is fine. Um, you know the cyborg stuff is much better. You get a much better arc and. And whatever happened between Fisher and Whedon, 
the amount of screen time he cut from Fisher would be enough for, I think, for Fisher to fucking hate his guts anyway, <laughs> regardless yeah. of whatever kind of terrible behavior happened otherwise, because Fisher got robbed in the theatrical cut. I mean, he had it stolen from him. Um, you know, yeah, I, I mean, it, it, it turns Ray Fisher and Cyborg into like the emotional center of the movie, which is not the case in in the Whedon version at all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's a just a like it. You know, it, it, he makes no sense in the Whedon version, frankly. Um, you know, it, it there this movie I think does benefit from having seen a, a worse version before, um, which is 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 you know not always the case. You know, and I think that um, it's interesting the stops that Warner is pulling out. Warner Brothers is pulling out for this. I mean, it is premiering on HBO Max, but it is more buzzworthy than any premiere I've heard of in this pandemic that's premiering online. I think it's probably the buzziest film uh, of the past year, frankly. You know, there's this hunger for a big-budget superhero movie, and there's, like, they're making toys of this shit now. Like, it's they're going all out for this cut of they the have, film. They have to make their money back somehow. Well, I mean, but it's, you know, there was also talk that... uh supposedly they wanted to just release a raw cut of this with no effects, which would have been bonkers. Um, <laughs> I mean, and, and for, for what it's worth, they have jazzed up the effects. Like the, the Steppenwolf character is entirely redone, which was a terrible special effect in the first film. Look, it, look, if you don't like Zack Snyder, you're not going to care for this movie. But if you know what you're getting into, I think it's, I think it's, kind of fun i mean it, it takes a little while to get past but you're watching it at home watching this in a theater would have been punishing uh getting through the first <laughs> hour because the first hour is a slog um but since it's at home you know it's not cut up into pieces because that was some sort of uh um contract issue with turning it into technically a tv series it would have been a big old mess apparently but anyway what is your grade for Zack snyder's justice league cody yeah, you know, you know, for me, you know, and I and I hear your point. I fun is not the word I would use to describe it because it is it does have that Zack Snyder tone where it's hard for anything to be fun with with that kind of tone. Um you still get a lot of really bad stuff in there. And look, I just I don't I don't like like piling on, but Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman is just so <laughs> hard to watch. Like everything. Um and it's and and again, they give her the big exposition piece of like showing the original like that because the i think the 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 centerpiece of the film is it's of this new version is the that that flashback scene of um i guess it's dark side um and um the extended version of what was in the original film right where you get the amazonian amazonians and men and oh yeah and then the people from atlantis or whatever the green lantern um, and and like David Thewlis on a muscle-bound body. (laughs) Yes, that. Um, That is like the the major thing that's that's there, and then a redone climax. And I think again, those those action sequences are cool. I mean, it's look, Zack Snyder's always been great at at visually, you know, creating action sequences. Do they all have to be in slow motion? Uh, Probably not. Uh, But you know, like I said before. If you are a fan of Zack Snyder's films, if you're a fan of his DC films especially, I think you're going to enjoy this. And I think this is going to 
you know, take the tape, the bad taste out of your mouth from the weed inversion because it's a superior version. But I think it's a superior version of a bad movie that is still a bad movie. Um, and for me, I just, like you said, the first hour is a slog and it recovers a little bit, but this thing to me just does not fit the bill of, of what of like an actual like edited well done movie should be. I mean, you and I had a discussion about this about, you know, I said that it was very poorly edited, but you said it's just not edited at all. And I think that's a very fair point. Um, and it's, it's, it's everything that you can imagine. I wish that there would have been some kind of, you know, subtlety here cut down to, you know, three hours to flow, to you know to cut out all the superfluous stuff but Zack Snyder's just not subtle that's just not his bad uh and so and so I'm gonna give uh Zack Snyder's Justice League a C okay so I uh as I mentioned I gave uh the theatrical cut a B minus uh re it I'm going to adjust that down to a uh C uh minus um so Ooh. this <laughs> yeah no I'm it it's not a good movie. It's bad. <laughs> uh, um, so this one, I'm gonna give a, uh, I'm gonna give it a B. Look, I, uh, I enjoyed it far more than I thought I would. Um, it's easy, it's easy to hate on the style, um, which you know, you know what you're getting with Zack Snyder. I think the probably the biggest obstacle for people with this film that are um, kind of skeptical of it is the toxicity of the campaign that led to it getting created. Or led to it yeah. getting released, um, you know the people that that these Zack Snyder evangelicals, which to his credit he's he's disowned the more toxic of them, uh, but you know it it and you know I, I don't think he's a bad guy. He's just not my style of director, you know. And he had a family tragedy that, um, you know, kind of led to him sort of being fired. I guess I don't know. It's a very strange situation that he left this film for. You know, you know, a, a, a genuine family tragedy, and they so redid it on him. Uh, I don't quite understand what the the mindset of that was, um, but you know, here we are. We've got it again, and um, you know, it's 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 gonna live forever. I assume on HBO Max. Uh, watch it whenever you want. It, it. I would not be one bit surprised if this kind of revived that that series. Just because it's, you know, it's probably the most buzz a DC movie has gotten in, I mean, since the first Wonder Woman movie. I don't know. I just feel like this this could be, you could see this shit again. So, anyway. Um, yeah. Zack Snyder's Justice League, as well as the original cut of Justice League, are available now on HBO Max. Let's move on to our last movie, Happily. I love my wife. She loves me. I enjoy your company, and I am never going to apologize for that. Okay, but I think... Everyone hates you. We are not the weird ones. You just grabbed his... What? No. I, I dropped... I dropped something. Uh, hello. Ma'am, I work with City. Every few years, we encounter someone with a defect. You have sex 2.5 times a day on average. You rarely fight. Ah. After the injections, you will wake up tomorrow just like everyone else. You'll feel normal. 
So this is a sort of dark comedy with a pretty stacked cast of of uh, funny people, I would say. You've got Joel McHale, you see yeah. in that clip, uh, Carrie Bechet, uh, Stephen Root. You've also got uh, uh, Natalie Morales, Natalie, Z- Natalie Zaya, uh, Brecken Meyer, Paul Shear, John Daly, Al Madrigal. Um, Cody, this movie is a weird mm-hmm. one, but uh, yeah. tell us about Happily and what you thought of it. Yeah, so uh, this movie is very strange to talk about because um, it's one of those rare things where it starts off as one thing and you think it's one thing, and then instead of becoming something different, it just becomes something that you don't understand at all. <laughs> you know, because I, you know, it skirts this line of like, like I think I, what I think is going on is that this is some sort of like treatise on marriage in some way or, you know, long-term relationships or happy marriages or, you know, something like that. Um, but it has this like sort of dark string to it where, you know, there is, there's, you know, some kind of, uh, you know, potential dangerous thing happening um, where, you know, so basically, you know, as you see from the clip, um, uh, Carrie Bechet and, and Joel McHale are playing a couple who um, all the other couples hate because they are all over each other and they decide to go off into like a weekend thing. But before that happens, um, someone shows up to their house and they murder him. They have to bury him out in the back and then they have to they, they assume that someone at that, you know, couples get together that they're at um, was behind it. Um, and uh you know, with such a stacked cast, I wanted this movie to be way funnier than it is. Um, and there is some funny stuff, but, like, like John Daly is way funnier than they let him be, as <laughs> is Paul Shear, as is everyone else. Like, there's there's one scene that was really, that really made me laugh. I don't know if you caught this, too, but it was... Uh, when when they were when they they show the the syringes of like that neon liquid that you see in the clip, and John Daly is like, uh, he says like, we don't know ec- what this is. That could be ecto cooler. <laughs> this is a very funny scene uh, or line. Um, you know, and, and and again, Paul Shear, you would think they would be funny. It's just not all that funny, other than a few handful of lines. Um, and I think it, it, it sort of builds, it, it like builds towards a climax and then the climax is just literally nothing, uh, where <laughs> it throws the whole movie into just, just flat out not making sense. Like you can take logical leaps and I'm fine with that. Or if you want to make it surrealist or if you want to make it odd or strange in some way, I'll go along on that ride with you, but it just doesn't make sense. I did not understand what was going on in the third act of the movie. And the whole thing just sort of fizzles. Um, you know, there's a scene where they all get brought together to sit down and talk through things. And everything from that scene forward is just a collapsing house of cards. And uh, and like all of the air from the movie um, is released. Is it good up until that point? No, it's not bad, I didn't think. You know, I, I, I got some enjoyment out of, you know, the small character moments that we do get. Um, but this should have been like, 40% funnier, 60% funnier even. And the last act is just nonsense. And um and I think again, it's not that like it's 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 bad per se. It just doesn't it literally does not make any sense. Yeah, I I'm 100% behind that. I don't understand what the fuck was happening really from the moment that you see them. So Stephen Root shows up as sort of a uh 
like a godlike character, I guess. I don't even know what you would describe mm-hmm. his character as. And he gets killed, and so uh, uh, Bichet and uh, Joel McHale think that he was sent as a prank by some pranksters in the in their friend group. But then, like after that, he he shows up. Man, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't understand what was happening. Um, I think there's too many characters. I don't know that um, you have like Shannon Woodward and uh, Kirby Hal Baptiste show up as like a, a lesbian couple, and I don't think they get anything to do. Uh, you have yeah. um, Brecken Meyer and uh, Charlene Yee. Brecken Meyer has like, like ten, like less than ten lines in the movie. <laughs> And you get you get Charlene Yi who has like this weird moment in the climax of the film or post climax. It's I don't I don't know what the hell was happening with this movie. You have Al Madrigal who's at the beginning and at the very end, and he he's probably the funniest person in the film. In the film, gets the funniest kind of lines and reactions. I I just don't I don't understand what was happening to this move with this movie. I don't get it. The whole thing sort of falls apart with the Stephen Root character because. It follows no logic, and it doesn't explain itself at all. And and because it doesn't explain itself, you don't really get, like, what the point of the movie is. Because if it was Steven Root's character who sort of did this on a regular basis to teach lessons or something, you know, that would be one thing. But, like, Steven Root has no connection to Joel McHale and Carrie Bechet in the movie. He only knows them, like, as an outside character. So, like, how did he identify them as a prop like it just the whole if you try to think of it for more than a second the whole thing just collapses it falls apart well because it it has like a uh when he shows up like this kind of vibe of of some sort of like supernatural thing or or whatever that that because they're a couple that's been married for 14 years and they still actively enjoy each other and actively have a you know have a very active sex life that there's something wrong with them um, which it would be an intriguing premise, but then it goes nowhere and it turns into this like weird dark comedy that has a bunch of fake outs and doesn't really amount to anything. And then the character shows back up. I mean, I look, I just didn't get it. I was bored out of my skull watching this movie and it's only like 90 minutes long and it feels. Yeah. And, and I didn't. I wasn't I wasn't necessarily bored through the first couple acts because I did I mean I liked Natalie Morales in it um I liked her part and again you you would occasionally get some random lines there's a couple MacGruber references that I pointed out to you that are <laughs> um that are pretty funny when if you notice them um very subtle um like I I did like the Al Madrigal stuff you know when it was there was funny um you know some funny John Daly things you know some funny Paul Shear things but you know, there, there, there's a character played by Paul Shear's wife that just feels weird too, and also the the thing that happens with him and or with her and Joel McHale is also just kind of swept under the rug as well. It's just very messy. It's a very messy movie um, where it feels like this was like a germ of an idea that was like hastily, like ri- like they were like, oh shit, we got to write an ending to this thing, and then just kind of <laughs> uh, tacked on in Act Three. Um, uh, disappointing, especially given the cast. You know, again, like I said, Breck and Meyer has like six lines in the whole thing. And then his character is disposed of in a strange way. And, and um, I think like Charlene Yee, who I don't particularly care for, um, as an actress, um, is introduced like in a very strange way, uh, as a, as a very strange character and then has like a very tragic backstory and then yeah. ends up, uh, 
uh, having this kind of strange moment with Breck and Meyer post, you know, at the kind of epilogue of the thing. I don't, I just look, I don't understand what the hell was happening with this movie. So it yeah. puzzled me to no end. Anyway, what's your grade for happily? Um, I'm giving it a C minus. Yeah, so am I. I think this is um, a very confusing movie that doesn't really. I, look, I, I just I don't get what's happening, and I like I like most of these actors, you know. Um, anyway, all right, that's going to do it for this week. Next week, Cody, what do we have happening? Well, uh, we'll see what happens. I would like to talk about the father um, because it was heavily nominated for Oscars. I think it got what like it got picture, screenplay, actor, act, uh, supporting actress, production design, um, something else. I think, um, and uh, it's a really great movie. Um, I thought we were going to talk about Godzilla versus Kong, but it looks like that opens on the thirty first. So unless we're both able to see it, which we may have seen it by then, maybe we'll cover that in advance. I don't, I don't know, um, but we'll figure something out. We always do. Yeah, yeah, we we always got this. Yeah, we might get uh, Godzilla versus Kong uh, as a screener. We don't have to wait for HBO. I don't have high hopes for it, but, you know, um, it is what it is. Um, If you want to reach us, you can email us at podcast at cinesnob.net. Find us on Twitter at cinesnob, Facebook, cinesnobnet. Listen to our other podcasts, ReMCU, RAP Corn Stream. It's still out there, though. Um, Cody, you've got the Ramble. Yeah, we're in the uh, the semifinals of the L. Ron Hubbard Room Clearing Dump Stall of Fame March Sadness <laughs> Tournament. Uh, <laughs> you so. have y'all have such radio like morning zoo bits. <laughs> it, it it has grown. Uh, it has grown out of hand, honestly. And uh, this bit in particular is 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 very funny to everyone. And we have we're currently eighty nine responses in on the voting, so it's 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 gaining in popularity. Yeah, well, uh, all right. And how many ep- what show? When do you do episodes again? I forget. Uh, regular rambles on Wednesdays. Uh, Ramble Radio is Tuesdays and Fridays, and Good Willow Hunting is on Thursdays. Which Jared, you will be happy to hear that oh. uh, for the next three weeks we are covering on Good Willow Hunting the Back to the Future trilogy. Wait, are you telling me you haven't seen these? I have seen the first one. I have not seen two or three. Good Lord, man. I don't know. I don't understand that. That's, that's, that's the premise of the show, my friend. No, I, I understand <laughs> that's the premise of the show, but it's, uh, it's, uh, I, I, I thought you had seen those for some reason. No. Yeah. No. Okay. Just the first. Well, all right, then. Uh, anything else before we go? Um, no, I don't know. I, don't, I think we're good. It's, uh, it's good to be back. We had to take last week off because there was really nothing opening. Um, and then I had South by Southwest this week. So um, no South by Southwest. If, oh, if you want to read my South by Southwest coverage, uh, cbsaustin.com. Oh, yeah. cbsaustin.com. Also, a bunch of other Texas stations. So a bunch of other Texas websites that I oh, yeah. put it on too. So, all right. On that note, I'm Jared Kingery. I'm Cody Viafania. Thank you for listening to the Cine Snob Podcast. To read reviews, interviews, and more, visit cinesnob.net. See you next week.